Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable. So coming on to their nine-day break for the All-Star Game and the bye week, Flyers return to action with a vengeance as they start the unofficial second half of the season with our latest Broadcasters Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Steve Coates, Chris Terrian, and Jim Jackson. 32 games left, guys, 16 at home. And 16 on the road. They're, as of this recording, still a point out of a playoff spot. Uh, the schedule the rest of the way should be favorable because the worst part of their schedule is behind them. Um, at the risk of overstating the obvious, I guess, first things first, Jimmy, they got to hit the ground running, be better out of this break than they were their last one. Yeah, for sure. The Flyers uh, have had a little issue with that, and that's something they want to have. I mean, they can't be uh, – uh, anything but uh, going at full full strength or as close as you can. I know after a long break, the, this, the other opponent's not going to be going full strength either. But when you're talking Pittsburgh, Colorado back-to-back, that's uh, quite a challenge. And, and then the schedule just doesn't give them a let-up the rest of the way, 32 games in 65 days. So uh, it is going to be a challenge. I mean, it's amazing they're out of the playoff picture. They'd be in first place in the Pacific Division. It's it's a strange year in the NHL. I mean, the, the Metropolitan Division is a monster right now with five really good teams. Uh, they're on pace for 98 points, and they wouldn't make the playoffs. So, that's uh, I mean, they had a really good first half, unofficial first half. They really uh, only need to, I think, do better, uh, just beat some of those teams ahead of them. And I, and I think that they're a playoff team. Obviously, Carter Hart's health is, is huge, too. And, I, you know, and looking at the standings, too, guys, just when you, when you boil it down, it looks like it's starting to become more of a 10-horse race now. Like, it looks like there's starting to be some separation between, you know, the last two teams. And, I mean, the Flyers could jump up to, uh, you know, seven or six even with a win and, and someone else losing so that's how close the standings are but when you get down to the the uh, the 11th spot now it's buffalo at 51 and that separation's eight points to the next team which is toronto so you're starting to get into that now where you got to start really dialing in and focusing on those games as they come to you late in the year that's why 32 games it's a mad scramble where you're in the position they're in this year as compared to last year when they were out of it and, and it, to climb it's not a foregone conclusion they couldn't get into the top three in the division no yeah. question and that's i said point. five there's six six good teams I, six Columbus, right I, I mean i kind of didn't count but now they're there they are on this great run so uh, you have to get obviously into the top five to have any chance at the playoffs uh, so that's obviously mission number one then maybe if you can stay ahead of a florida or a toronto but that's going to be tough for the wild card so it, it's going to be a challenge i want to go back to the importance of this weekend <clears throat> because you're taking on pittsburgh in their building the shellac there the last time seven to one coming off a great win here it's probably the best game they've played all year in the win uh, just before the break against the pittsburgh penguins then you got a very good colorado team and then you got to travel and play Detroit three games in four nights after not playing nine days. So I, the schedule maker has really done a great job here. <laughs> but, and I say that very facetiously. But this is going to be a real telltale because, just like Bundy just said, 10-team race. And the, the kind of the unknown is where Toronto's going. I mean, Toronto's kind of like right now out as everybody – as far as wild cards going to come from the Metropolitan Division right now. So there's a lot of a lot of things that are going to happen here in the next two weeks that's going to tell you about the personality of where this is going to go forward. All right, so unofficially the second half of the season, and, and you think about what are the things that separate the Flyers from being one of the real playoff contenders. Obviously, consistency, number one. Uh, you're going to have to be better on the road than you have been, and you got to get this power play going. I think the mantra – taking all of that into account, is going to have to be urgency these last 32 games because if you don't have it, other teams are going to. Yeah, and that's exactly right, Timmy. And, you know, you're going to have your – 
you know, uh, the Montreal game, right? A couple of weeks back, they lost the 4-1 loss. I mean, it was almost so predictable. You know, you had the big emotional ride, and then you come back and you play Montreal. I mean, it's never, you should never get down for a Montreal game. But that's Montreal, dire straits. They'd lost, uh, what, eight, eight in a row or eight out of nine, something crazy. And then you play them. You have to avoid those kind of games, I think, in the last 32. You just don't have enough runway left to be able to uh, have to – to absorb one of those type of two-point losses, especially at home ice to a weaker team. So for me, I agree with you, Jimmy. Knock off a few of those teams up top. You're not going to win every game, but you absolutely have to beat the bottom dwellers, and that's a, a problem. I think the team's had the past, but that it's it's critical that they and, do that. And if you go by the records, it might be a little bit of a misnomer to say they haven't or that they've played down to their competition because their record against non-playoff teams suggests otherwise. The biggest uh, story, I think, the last few weeks, certainly since our last roundtable, was their success against elite teams. They've sure proved they can beat the best and hang with them. And that's huge. I mean, that means that if they do get in the playoffs, this is a team that could go on a run because uh, they've beaten every real good team out there, I think. I mean, obviously some of the Western teams you don't play as much, but really uh, they, they have shown they are as good as the best. Washington is the best. They've, they've shown they can play with them. Boston, they've shown they can play with them. Uh, if you had to pick two favorites right now out of the East, those would be two of the teams, right? And they've shown they can play with them. And in the, the West, they, they've uh, not been uh, as successful against Western Conference teams, but uh, some of the better teams they've played uh, – uh, I think they've they've held their own. So that is a, a good sign. But as Bundy says, you, you got to get to the playoffs by beating the teams below you. And I think what stands out, not necessarily even who they're playing, but they have those odd games where they just aren't there, right? They've had right. five or six really, real uh, bad games, and, and they can't have those down the stretch. If I was critical of the schedule this next week, uh, or the next four days. And if you look at the rest of the schedule, it's actually very advantageous. You've got 14 of 32 games against the Metropolitan Division. They have the best record against the Metropolitan Division. And then on top of that, you're not traveling that much, just in the eastern seaboard. The only two trips now you got that have any uh, length is Dallas and Nashville in a back-to-back. And so that's the only that, time they leave the time zone. That's right. right. Yeah. So that's advantageous. Well, they deserve it. <laughs> that's <been laughs> terrible. They, first they paid their price. Yes. Oh, yeah. We paid Yeah. You guys yeah, have. Yeah. Everybody's paid the price. But – that, that's going to be something they've really got to take advantage of. Yeah. Bundy is a former player. I mean, we can look at that Montreal game. After you came away with points against really good teams, and then you have the the let-up against a team you probably should beat. What What's the mind frame there? I mean, how do you <laughs> get yourself up for those games where – fear isn't the motivator that it might be against the better teams yeah you know what and, and that's such a good a good question but a tricky question because you know what I, I think guys no matter what happens right I don't no matter how much you can train your brain or tell the team this is a focal point I think some nights you just don't have it it's just the way sports goes and I think that night against Montreal you could have played that game 10 times in the same situation coming off those huge wins and you might have lost nine out of the ten it just was the setup and the schedule. And that's what the trick is, to guard against that, right? Like to, 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 to lay it out and say, Listen, yeah, the Capitals game's huge. The Bruins game's huge. You're knocking off top teams. And what looks like the easy one? The Montreal Canadiens when you come home, right? Or whatever it was mixed in the schedule. So I think, unfortunately, that that's going to happen. But it's a, a, with 32 games left, you just don't have enough in you to give away too many of those. You know, it, was funny. Public, it was funny to me, the, the approach that – Vino took to that game. Do you remember? He didn't want to hear anything about the letdown. Every game is important. As a coach, if you keep talking about don't have a letdown, what happens? 
You have a letdown. Well, and the general public, the fan base, typically says that's coaching. The coach yeah, didn't get him I up love for that. it. Yeah. It's it's the guy's. It's nothing to do with nothing to do with coaching. Coachy played most of the time. The coach the coach gives you a game plan to execute. Right. This is what this team does. You watch video all day or the day before. Then you get to the game and you play it. Right. And either you have the energy, and you the other thing, you know, you can worry about yourself. But the other side of it is you don't know what's on the other side, right? What's going through their mentality? There's two teams out there trying to win the game, and it's not always going to be you who gets the two points. It's The room has to take care of itself. Right. The coach lays it out, and then all of a sudden – and this is where your, your leadership has to be really strong. And I think we've got good leadership here. But they've got to be able to, to bring the other guys up to a different level to be able to provide what you needed against the Montreal Canadiens. We can't use the back-to-back as an excuse because Montreal played against Chicago the night before. So, oh, yeah, it wasn't as far as the Flyers went. But I I agree with Bunny. It's just one of those things where you you could do that and and everybody's looking around at each other going, well, what's wrong with us? And it just just wasn't there that night. All right, so here's the million-dollar question. Why the disparity from home to road why are they two different teams I, I write these articles every week for the flyers that they put out on their website and i actually did one of these about you know home versus road and i've said it on twitter and other places and i'll try to be quick here because i said twitter i said to me in the playoffs it it's the most overrated thing is home ice because i mean look at it and i mean a lot of the teams boston wins a game or uh, st louis wins a game seven in boston uh, it happens now it's not like it was before where the home team would just ice it uh, things have changed over time uh, that being said, I think that um, when you take the season, especially you guys know with that travel, when you're zoned in in a playoff series, right, you know who your opponent is. They're on the same schedule you are. But when you're going on the road like the Flyers did, I mean, it's just not a conducive situation to try to collect points on multiple nights, right? When you come back, I mean, you can go to Czech Republic. Then I do believe the schedule is one of the big reasons, though, Timmy, maybe the biggest reason why there's been the home road disparage, uh, disparage dur- during the season more so than the playoffs. Right, from a stat standpoint, the difference is they're the best defensive team or second best defensive team at home mm-hmm. and the second worst defensive team on the road. And it's real easy to look at the goaltending and the defenseman. That starts with forwards, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it does. I'll say this. One thing I notice in the road that I don't see as much at home is this once something goes wrong, Something else goes wrong on the road. Whereas at home, it doesn't seem as much of a factor. The other is, I got to tell you, and I'm, I, I, I never like when people just blanket everything with goaltending, but neither Carter Hart, but especially Carter Hart uh, or, or Brian Alley, but mainly Carter have been as good on the road. There have been a lot of goals that Carter just hasn't allowed at home. So, for what reason, so I don't what's know. what's wagging the dog here? Is the yeah, tail walk? I, it's, I mean, it's is tough. it the it's team that's not been good or I is mean, it the goaltending? There have been games where it's the team in front of them, but there have been games where at home where the team doesn't come out. I, I don't think the first period this year has been a, a great period for the Flyers, even when the numbers and they, they started to, to go south, but when they were kind of even, I'm like, they, they come out so many times and there's just nothing there and and they kind of wade into the game, and Hart would save them with some saves, especially at home, right? But on the road, I, I, you're not seeing those saves that, that are at, at crucial times. I'm, t- I'm talking about in general. There have been some road games where they've gotten that. Brian Elliott has, has done that. But I, I think, you know, the goaltending is part of it. I mean, it is chicken and egg. I understand that. But uh, I do think the goaltending has to be could, better on the Could road you too. get into a situation where you look at Elliott more on the road? and I think Carter he started to do home. that. He, he might. Before Carter got hurt, I thought you were starting to see uh, Carter get double-double at home and then uh, Brian Elliott be ready for the road. Yeah, if you could get a real good bounce back and forth, back and forth, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, 
looking at Roden Holm, I don't know if that's that important. It's worked so far. I never did either until you look at their record. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The but numbers are staggering. Sooner or later, if you're going to win, you got to win on the, uh, on the road. Uh, right. Carter Hart's right. save percentage is 100 points better. I know. I mean, it's unbelievable. Two well, goals. They've got, they've got, what, seven back-to-backs left? So yeah. given the fact that you're they're going to use everybody, do you just play Elliott on, uh, on the road on back-to-backs? I think it had certain, I, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's been discussed. <laughs> I would yeah. almost guarantee that. Yeah. You know, you got to look for you got to look through the course of the year of what gives your team the best chance to win, and if that's what it is, that's what it is. The only thing with that is, uh, if you're going to make the playoffs, I, you don't want to have a two goalie system. Yeah. I've yeah, been through it. Like and let me say this, Carter Hart. We we've all been around him. I can't imagine this kid is like psyched out by the road. I just think he's going to get over it. Our and the only way he's going to get over it is by playing. That's so true. He is right. Play, play good on the road. Yeah, like that's he, true. I mean, it isn't just Carter. I don't want to put that. Oh, it's maybe 20% of what it was. Yeah. Okay? But the team has to have the ability to go out and and you got to be consistent. Yeah. And this team is not consistent. You bring up – and Timmy and I have disagreed on this on the the air as far as the way we come out in our own building. It drives me crazy. You've just said it. Oh, yeah, they've got the ability to come back now. They've been very good at that. But – you got to come out and make everybody understand that this is your building, this is what we're going to do, these are our fans, and we're going to entertain them. So he and I have actually disagreed a little bit, and I think it's actually made for decent radio, but my point <laughs> has been first periods <laughs> they've struggled. Thing. First periods yeah. have struggled, right? Yeah. They've been outscored 19-9 to nine in first periods in the last 11 games. Yeah. So uh, on the in surface— In general, Timmy, or on the road? In just in, in general. general. Okay, gotcha. On the surface, I agree with Coatsy that in an ideal world, you want to come out, and certainly in your own building, but dictate the tempo of a game early on. But because starts of games have become so problematic, I guess I'm okay with be sound defensively, play that first period, don't put yourself on a hole, and your game gets better as you've gone on. I'm willing to concede that to a 0-0 tie after one period of play, knowing that they're going to get better. He and I have different well i, I mean process. i i understand whenever the flyers get to the end of the first period even i'm, I'm pretty happy because you look at their numbers the rest of the game it's pretty strong but i do think they need to be more proactive and i'm not talking about as you said coach it's not this is not 1980 or i mean they're not going to come out and run a team out of the building it just doesn't happen anymore i'm just talking about playing better from the very start of the game to me it seems like as I said earlier, they kind of wade into the game. It's not like they're awful all the time, but they kind of wade into the game. I don't ever see – I have seen it a couple times in the road. I remember a couple of games where they really came out and they were the better team on the road. But I haven't seen a lot of games outside of the Pittsburgh game perhaps. I didn't see all that game. But, I mean, there haven't been that many games at home where they anywhere where they've come out and they've just taken charge and that's it. They, you know, they were the better team right from the very beginning. A lot of games where they slowly but surely get better, which I think for the playoffs is a good thing. You want to be a team that gets better, but just be a little better right at the start. Well, what was the old Hitch thing? We, I think we all got it from Hitch. You can't chase games. Yes. And that's become kind of uh, well, universal he'll, around the Hitch league. Hitch definitely couldn't chase anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, we'll be back after these short messages. <laughs> uh, there's no delay in this, Chris. <laughs> you put yourself behind the eight ball. You can't play from behind. No, not. And, and, and all of us have been a, very much a part of watching this team try to come from behind a couple of years of the last three, right? Yeah. And almost did it. Yeah. Almost did it. They're in a good position right now. Everybody's clumped together. They easily could be in sixth right now. 
but they got to make sure that they again it's just every game's critical and I, I think every conversation we've had here is about the enormity of every single game remaining and what what it's going to take to, to get yeah. enough points to get this in. is a run this is a run yeah. for the middle of april yeah. and you know when you take a look at uh the way this hockey club is played on the road and all these different things that are happening everything can come together here very nicely that's because the schedule's on our side. You need Carter Hart coming back, getting hot. There's so many different variables right now. And it's going to be a game-to-game situation because this is going to be a tough, tough couple of months because nobody's easy anymore. Nobody's easy. So just before the break, they put G back in the middle. We all know he's had great success on the wing. Are they not because of, I mean, they, they, they couldn't foresee what happened with Nolan Patrick, let alone Oscar Lindblom. Uh, going forward here, are they better with G in the middle? Because now you've got three deeper, team, deeper lines that you can attack teams with. Absolutely makes them a deeper group. I mean, especially with the way the Coots is uh, – uh, and Hayes have played. I mean, they have good 200-foot players. Coots is having a selkie type of year. I, he'd be the well. He's a front runner to win it. You think where they're at? I just think that yeah, you get that offensive depth now with Giroux. And if he's got to settle into that, listen, I love the experiment that they that you know, it was long far more than an experiment. But he was fine on the wing, did a lot of good things. But I do think that boy, when you get into those nitty gritty games, it's it's so important to have that depth up the middle. Yeah, and even he takes draws even when he's playing on the wing. He's one of the best. He is the best face-off man in the league, I mean, for most of the year. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you have to. I mean, it's unfortunate that the whole plan with the, the three centers with Patrick it yeah. just hasn't come to pass. But I think organizations coming to the realization that perhaps they're not going to have Nolan Patrick. He is skating. I don't know what he did during the break, but I saw him right before the break. Best I've ever seen him as far as his spirit. Uh, just the look in his eye and all that. So maybe he's still part of the mix. If he becomes part of the mix, maybe G goes back to the wing. But I think the way the team is currently constituted, I think you almost have to play G in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has a different philosophy of what makes a team tick. Some say goaltending, some say de- uh, veteran defenseman. Other people tell you're only as strong as what you have in the middle. And if you move Drew back into the middle like they did, Hayes and Kateri, two big centers that know how to play defense, go back in the zone and help out. And then you get a, an additional guy in the middle that can pass to equally as well to the right wing as well to the left wing. So it provides that much more offense. Your wingers are getting more action because you have three strong centermen. And that's, I truly believe that's a big, big plus. And Drew doesn't mind it. I think that, you know, it's harder to play center because you got to have to work that much harder. you got to go down below the goal line. you got to, you know, make it even when you're back there helping the defense out. It's more work. But obviously he says it doesn't matter to him. So it's an additional I th- situation, I think, for this hockey team. Well, and just before the break, again, uh, Joel Farabee, who's stayed with his team, his numbers dipped there for a while, but he find him, found himself back in another top six role. Is that where he's likely to be more often than not the rest of the year, you think? I think it helps that he they provided offense. We had a couple goals in two games, right? We have yeah. to go back a few games. Uh, you know, I mean, the thing with Farabee is he, you know, he always tries to do the right thing. And he's just such a young guy that the, when you when he's trying to make the right play and it's not scoring a goal, that will stand out more in three or four years than it will as a, at a 19-year-old, the, the tender age of 19. Um, but, yeah, when he's playing his game, um, you know, and I don't know, maybe you guys can answer this too. I'm a, I'm a former player, but, you know, is it conducive to have a kid that young playing in your top six in a playoff series? You know, that, yeah. that's a tough question, right? Uh, it is. And, I mean, he's going to go through growing pains if the playoffs, hopefully when the playoffs come too. It's a whole new, as you know, Chris, a different pace. It is. So he's going to have to learn that too. But let's face it, no one saw this season being without Nolan Patrick and then losing Oscar. So 
they have to have somebody step up. You might have to push him a little bit more faster than you thought, and he's shown he can do it, I think, for spurts. I'm not, not sure that he can do it you know, all right. over the long haul. I mean, you might have to have times where you drop him back a little bit, but he has, he's a smart player. He's got some offensive skill, so certainly the potential is there. If he plays consistently in the top six, that is an absolute bonus for this hockey club. Mm. If he doesn't, I personally wouldn't be disappointed. Because we've put him in a position, basically, for a young kid like that, more to fail than to be successful, if you look at it. Because this is a big transition. He was a freshman in university last year. And size, maturity, both mentally and physically, is a completely... I mean, it's hard. They've also moved him back and forth, right? Left and right. it's hard. So if if he plays good, it's a bonus to this hockey team. So the Farabee talk is a way of transitioning into a nod to the rookies because they've had 11 rookies used on this team this year. Uh, Six, I think, have made their NHL debut at this point of the season. Uh, They've gotten some pretty good contributions from guys that they weren't certain they were going to be able to count on. Uh, Phil Myers... uh, Maybe even some more so than Joel Farabee has been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I mean, you think about the contribution of starting with Farabee and Myers and Obey Cubell, who has, uh, again, short spurt, but certainly brought something. Uh, Bunnamany, all these, Twarinsky, even when he was here, all these young guys have, have brought something. Friedman uh, was right. actually yeah, very solid. So the depth of the organization has been tested, and you'd have to say, given they're on pace for a 98-point season, that, that it has come through, and it will continue to get tested. You might need... Somebody to step up even more. Morgan Frost, of course, is the name that comes to mind. Is he the guy that comes back and becomes part of it or not? We shall see. You know, we talked to the guys down at Lehigh, and they all say that if you look at that group, and they've gotten a lot of contributions from those guys when they've needed them, uh, there's one guy down there that's head and shoulders above everybody from a skill standpoint, and it's Morgan Frost. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him before the end. You're in his name a lot the last few days. <laughs> yes, we The have. All-Star yes. game, and then you get the three assists in the game. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's a guy with a unique set of skills, and I think yeah, I really have a feeling that the first couple of games when we saw him, especially down in Carolina, or was it Flor- Florida and Carolina, yep. right? Yep. I really thought that that would be a look of maybe what we'll see down the road more. Like, he's a, he's a kid. Right, I mean, to me, it reminds me a little bit of Johnny Gaudreau in, in some ways. Uh, Jimmy, his his vision and his yeah, quick and plays I, in front. I'd say early on, I'd say his first ten games, he'd do something almost every shift that showed that skill. A lot of it was the quick release, which really caught me. I mean, his, his release is so fast, but he obviously sees the ice. But then. You know, the league, this is not an easy league. It's not. And yeah. the pace, you know, he's got to have that pace every shift. And these are things a lot of times, right, Coach, you learn in the AHL. He's got, he's got to get that part of his game down, the consistency. Uh, I, I am a great believer that you have to play in the American Hockey League to understand how to play in the National Hockey League. I was actually surprised he got the extended stay here because I thought uh, as the time moved on and the amount of games that he played that he was actually taking down his wingers because he just you need a guy that can play the game in the middle to be able to pass the puck and all those different things. The one thing I like about you bring up Twinsky, Bunneman, uh, Obey Kubel, is that they all are in Phil Myers. They're all physical. Have you noticed that? That's an element of this hockey club that I think if they're learning to play that like that in the American Hockey League, that's only going to be for the better here in the long run. And that's what I, I like about it. All right, so we go back kind of the way we started. What's standing in the way of the Flyers being a contender? Um, and I think these next few weeks are going to dictate what Chuck can and cannot do or wants to and doesn't want to do at the deadline. He's not a real believer in rentals. Uh, I don't know that they have the cap space to do a whole lot, but 
it's an opportunity maybe to add a fourth line center because that's been a little bit of a revolving door there. I talked to Chuck. Actually, I had him on our the Flyer podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he was very open about that. He said, you know, because I've made some mistakes in the past uh, where I didn't like the moves I made at the deadline. So I'm not a real big – he said with Jimmy, he's not a big rental guy. And he doesn't like like to shake up the whole apple tree just to maybe get a result. So he's a he's a wise guy. He's got a lot of wisdom now in, in his in his approach. That being said, there's a lot on the market that you get at the deadline now yeah. that players are coveted. I mean, you're already hearing names now like today, Pajot, uh, JG Pajot in Ottawa. I mean, it looks like they're going to try to get him quick. What's he going to command for for them? So I think if Chuck gets the right price and you can add depth, I remember Bob Clark used to say years ago, I don't trade players at the deadline to win the Stanley Cup. I trade to make my team better. Right. And that means today and me next year if, if the player's still here. Well, so so that's that's the trick to see where your chemistry's at, to see how your team's working together as you approach that. That'll if, be the GM's decision. If you get a little luck, maybe the biggest ad you make at the deadline is a healthy Nolan Patrick. Yeah. That would be the best case scenario. Oh, yeah. No doubt. If, if he's you know, how he's missed a lot of time, so it's going to take him a while to ramp up, probably some AHL time, but um, yeah, I mean, if we see Nolan Patrick when he's at his best, that would be a heck of an acquisition. As we said, it could completely change how you slot your lines. Maybe G goes back to the wing, uh, and you've still got the three deep center situation with G on the wing as well. So that would be, and it doesn't cost you anything. So that would be perfect. I don't know, though, as we move along here, whether they can count on that. I mean, it's such a mystery. Goaltending, stay healthy, consistency, and your better players have to be your better players. That's how you're going to be. Yeah, I totally agree with Carter that. Hart's health is number one. I mean, they got to get uh, – Brian Elliott has done, done a great job and will continue to do a great job, I think, as a as a backup or as a 1A, if you want to say that much. But uh, they, they have to have Carter Hart to me. He's he's the guy, and hopefully he's he's healthy. That's a good way to Agreed. end it. Coatsy's strength has always been last call. I like that line. <laughs> <laughs> just last over, call? Just over two months well, one left. One more, please. <laughs> 32 games left. They leave the Eastern time zone one more time for two games. And other than that, the schedule should be favorable. It's all going to be determined on what they do in the last nine weeks. For Steve Coates, Chris Terrian, Jim Jackson, I'm Tim Saunders. Until our next Broadcasters Roundtable, enjoy the games.